What's up everybody? My name is Joe Morato and uh, you are watching We Are H Development. If you have tuned in with us again, then you are now checking out episode 5. This week, as promised, I am doing something a little different. We are going to do an interview process. I brought my friend Bobby Lambert onto the show today. We're going to do a little brief cross-interview or, or cross-questioning just to familiarize yourself with with me a little bit better and to get to know Bobby a little bit and uh, then we're going to start talking about the topic today which is communication. So that being said, this is Bobby Lambert. Welcome to the show. Welcome to We Are Apes Development. Glad to be on here, Joe. Well, I've been following the show since you started here. You know, I helped you when we first started on this. It's a great thing that you're doing with this program. Um, I've been following, like I said, I've been on you for eight months. You've helped me in my recovery through my addiction um, and I'm grateful for that. Um, you've shown me the pathway towards God. But that being said, uh, just a little a brief background about me. I grew up traveling around a lot, never really fit in anywhere. Then I moved here to Columbia, Tennessee. Like I said, I met you, got involved in the recovery program. Started working the steps of a program, uh, became honest, and, and still learning so much from you. And that's why you know I'm glad to be here tonight and talk a little bit about communication, which is a very hard struggle for me still today. Right on. So let's just again delve a little bit deeper. Tell me, tell me what it was like growing up at your house, in you know, as a as a child, as um, a teenager. At my house, it was mainly my mom raised me. My dad was never around, so you know, what I was thinking about today on the communication part. You know, we learned to communicate, or I learned to communicate at my house. You know, from the time that a bottle hit my mouth. You know what I mean? Like I was manipulating my mother, uh, crying want more milk or whatever it may have been and that's how I grew up is I just manipulated everywhere like we would move to California and uh, when I live out there I would just tell people in class or tell my mom things that they needed to hear it was just a survival tactic for me you know what I mean so that's how I kind of was at my house I would say and do things lie I used to get high drunk just to just to fit in you know just because we moved around so much I never knew how to fit in anywhere right. I never knew so then I had to get high, get drunk, to feel comfortable around people, you know, and that led to a, a deep state of depression, you know, and then it became to where I isolated, and I didn't want to be around nobody, and then you know, I had my daughter, and I had a wreck with her in the car, which drove me into a deeper state of depression, and then it's just, it was uh, my mom, I lost her, so then it was, uh, I couldn't really manipulate nobody no more, you know, I mean, I, everybody was through with me, everybody done seen uh, all my games that I had been playing with everybody. Hey, I'm going to stop you just for a second, only because I've known you for, you know, like you said, the better part of a year, and uh, I never knew that, that you lived in California. Like, this is the first time. It's it's pretty awesome that, you know, we're, we're being able to experience this and share this, because I, I had a feeling that we were going to find out more about each other just in this little interview process. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, can you tell me how you ended up in California or how your family ended um, up in California? With my mom, she was a general manager of like a pilot truck stops and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So wherever they had an area that had a problem, we would move. So that's why we moved around so much. We lived in Palm Springs, California. I think I was in ninth grade and part of 10th grade there. Um, I really liked it out there, you know, and then it was just... We had to move. Every time I got comfortable somewhere, you know, we had to move. I got, we move here, I get comfortable. It was just, so it was, I guess that's where I learned my manipulation of, of what to say, how to try to fit in. It was, like I said, a survival test. I was gonna say, you probably learned how to blend in with different types of people because you had to make new friends constantly. Yeah. Uh, and 
I know that for me growing up, like that was a survival skill that I learned also was just learning to blend in with whatever crowd I was running with, right? Absolutely. Picking up the lingo, the slang, whether I was hanging out with surfer dudes or hanging out with punk rockers or hanging out with the essays or the cholos, like I just kind of learned to, to talk like they did and dress like they did. It's interesting how we learn to blend in so that we don't stand out because we feel so different and so isolated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just interesting how we learn to cope like that, right? Like we learn to fall into the background of things so that we don't stand out because we do feel so different. Yeah, it's a survival tactic. Most definitely, definitely. Yeah. definitely. Yeah. And, and that's one of the cool things about recovery. One of the most exciting things for me in recovery is learning who I am. Yes, sir. And learning what I like and learning that it's okay for me to like different things than other people. Yeah. And learning that it's okay for me to disagree with other people. Yeah, there's a, right? there's other people just like me out there. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's pretty much the same background, same story, but we're all striving to be better. You know what I mean? And um, I don't know. It's like, I know I feel different. You know, like there's a normal type of people. <laughs> and I'm not one of the normal type of people. And I'm grateful for that because I... I think everyone should kind of experience of uh, what I've been through, you know, because I've, I've been truly blessed on everything that I've been through. Um, it's been a great learning experience. Um, like now, like you was talking about in a recovery family, I really fit in, you know, like you and uh, some of our others that's in a recovery family. That y'all are really truly my family today, you know, that's more than my blood family. It's because I just, I can communicate with y'all more, y'all understand me more. I just feel at home here. I really do. Definitely. I definitely understand. It's funny. One of the things that I've been reflecting on uh, the last couple of months, especially since the last several weeks since I've started doing this podcast, one of the things that I've reflected on is that I have much healthier relationships with the men and women in my recovery family here. And I know that part of that is because we see each other constantly. So there's a lot more accountability and there's a lot more interaction and involvement. But I've, I've honestly, I've, and I've felt a little bit of guilt and a little bit of, of discernment for myself because I haven't maintained relationships with my blood family, with my brothers and my sister. And I, and I, and I think that part of the reason that I don't reach out to them as much as I want to, or as much as I think about them is because of guilt and shame for not making more of an effort. And it's funny how we allow silly things like that to stop us. Like I'm sure my brothers would love it if I just reached out to them and called them on any given day and talked to them. But my head tells me, Oh, you're a terrible brother. You're a bad brother. You don't call them when they're going through things, or you don't reach out to them when they're going through things. So they don't they don't want to hear from you. Like my head, that negative self talk is still there. Well, a lot of mine is I just know that they don't understand me. You know, they may still be able to drink a beer here and there, but you know, I can't do that. Right. Once I drink a little bit of beer, you know, it's off at the bottom of my beer can is meth. You know, what I mean? <laughs> I'm gonna get me some meth and I'm gonna go get high. Yeah, I, I definitely, just, I definitely understand that we are different breed. Yes, sir. for sure, for sure. And you talk about relationships with your family. You know, it's not just the relationships with my family that I had problems with. You know, there's things that happened to me when I was younger. You know, that we discussed before that. Um, that I couldn't have relationships with just another man, you know, I mean, be open and honest with another yeah, man. Definitely. And part of that was um, with my mom raising me, you know, I was always around her and I learned how to manipulate women. So that was always a big problem with me is just the relationship with women. And today, now that I'm sober, it's hard for me to try to talk to a female mm-hmm. because I'm scared that I may try to manipulate them or I just don't yeah. know the, the reaction or what I'm seeking. You know, it's kind of weird because before that's all I hung out with is females. And I still have a lot of female friends today, but today I seek more of a, a relationships with men, you know, like 
not no you know not, not I know what you mean yeah, not, yeah nothing like that but just to have an intimate relationship with an honest man that you know where I can share and get things off my chest it's become a very valuable tool in my program I, would you say that it's easier I'll just come right out and say it. do you think it's easier to have more transparent and more intimate relationships with men because you know that there is no gray area there is no uh, opportunity for misinterpretation right like you don't have to worry about a guy misunderstanding or, or misinterpreting something that you're doing or think saying as flirtation or or trying to develop something into a romantic relationship spending too much time talking to women about certain things because I don't want them to think that I'm interested in them in a certain way uh, or to blur that boundary or to blur that line and I don't want especially if they're in a relationship I don't want them to think that I'm trying to infiltrate right yeah and that probably just comes from my own past and my own seated behavior I'm just more conscious of it but it's something that I definitely don't have to be concerned with when it comes to men yeah I never really thought of it that way but yeah that's a very good strong point you know um even like with me you know if a female gives me a hug where I was in isolation for so long it's like all right well Look, I'm getting attention, so it's am I attention seeking? I got to check my motives of uh, what it is that I'm talking to this woman for. Is it, I'm looking for friends, or am I having these uh, these negative thoughts in my mind? Or you know what I mean? Because like I said, when I'm an addict, I'm addicted to everything, not just drugs or alcohol, but it's sex or porn or whatever it may be. It's whatever makes my mind feel better at the time. That's what I'm addicted to. Well, and dude, like. I have this conversation with people all the time about how just as men, we are big dumb animals. Yes, sir. Like, honestly, like it, it cracks women up when I'm as direct as I'm about to be. But the reality of the matter is that most men are concerned with eating, sleeping, crapping, and breathing. Like we're really that basic when it comes to our needs. Mm-hmm. Are there other things in there? Sure. Right. Like, but when it comes down to it, in the hunter-gatherer sense, we would like to hunt. It doesn't always have to be animals that we're hunting, right? right? Like, it can be, a, a female could easily be prey. Yeah. Pursuing a relationship, pursuing a female could be part of the hunt for us. Yeah. Gathering, providing, you know, as, if we're working and we're fulfilling that part of us, and we're providing for ourselves or for our families, that need is met. So we really are primal creatures in that sense where we think about breeding we think about what we're going to eat we're thinking about what we're going to do for work and we're thinking about the hunt and sometimes that's going out and hunting deer right right sometimes it's going out and and just hanging out with the guys going to a sports game mm-hmm. can be part of that for us for that 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 thrill seeking yeah for us but our needs are very basic and women try to read so much more into what we want or what we need you know, you see those memes all the time on Facebook where it has, like, the couple laying in bed and the pictures, like, the girl's like, I bet he's thinking about another girl. Yeah. And he's like, I wonder how many points were on that buck that I missed earlier. Yeah. Like, our heads are in two completely different places. And I think that's where we're going to get into communication. That's where communication breaks down is I think that we simplify the shit out of things and women complicate the shit out of things. Yeah. There's been times now I've, I've sit there and overcomplicated a lot of things. Oh, definitely. You know what I mean? Especially, yeah, there's just been a lot of times that I've had all these negative thoughts of, you know, what is, is she thinking about this other guy or, 
what can I do better to please her or you know does she really like me or why is she even hanging out with me you know should I, mean? I do this or should I do that mm-hmm. is this going to be too much am I going to seem needy or clingy if I do this yeah that's definitely one of my problems is overthinking everything. Definitely. Yes, sir. Well, and, you know, speaking of memes, I, I saw this meme that said something to the effect of overthinking is the art of creating problems that aren't there. Yeah. And I have a degree in that. <laughs> definitely. Yes, sir. And, and, and I think that most of us in recovery do. And I don't know. For me personally, I think it just comes from being a tweaker and just overthinking everything all the time and being in a paranoid state all the time. I think that's just residual effects of a state of being or a state of mind that I was just in for so long that it just carries over into my sober life. Well, I think too, like we were talking about a while ago, I think it could come from our childhood too of how we was trying to fit in because we was always trying to think of what we needed to do to fit into that category. You so know? Good, very good point. Yeah. Very good point. You have any questions for me before we move on? Okay, perfect. So we're going to jump right into this week's topic of communication. As per usual, I've done a little bit of research, so we're going to go over some some bullet points of what communication is and how communication works, how communication gets broken down, uh, the different types of communication, and then ultimately the keys to healthy communication and how to practice that. So the definition of communication is the imparting or exchanging of information or news the four basic subcategories or subtypes of communication are passive, aggressive, passive-aggressive, and assertive. Passive communication is when someone acts indifferent or they act like they don't care uh, about whatever the topic of discussion is or whatever the information is. Uh, Passive communicators usually fail to express their feelings and usually lack outward communication, uh, whether it be because they're an introvert or just because they feel like their opinions or their feelings don't matter. I just feel like they don't communicate. It doesn't mean that they don't want to, and it doesn't mean that they don't have needs, concerns, and desires like everyone else. They just are incapable of communicating outwardly. Aggressive is certainly how I used to communicate. Definitely, uh, definitely, it's far more apparent dealing with an aggressive communicator. They're usually loud. They speak in a commanding or controlling voice. You may even feel their intensity. They usually accompany their communication with intense eye contact, uh, blaming, intimidating, or criticizing others in an effort to control a conversation or to get their way, right? It'd be like a form of gossip as well, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and and really, it's like you said, it's a form of manipulation, right? Right. Like if I if I'm being aggressive with my communication and I'm intimidating you with my volume and my size and my body language, I'm probably going to control the conversation and ultimately get my way in whatever we're discussing rather than listening to you and hearing your side, which we'll get into. And then there's passive aggressive which is both, right? It's somebody who appears to be passive. Somebody acts like they're indifferent or they don't care. But then under the surface, their feelings get the better of them and they do act out uh, in an aggressive manner. Um, The notes that I have on that is that they appear passive on the surface, but not communicating their needs, desires, or concerns 
leads them to anger or resentment, causing them to act out, muttering under their breath, making faces, giving you the silent treatment, or maybe even spreading rumors behind your back. Like they don't have the they don't have the 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 courage or the the strength to to communicate openly and honestly and transparently with you, but they'll tell somebody else what they think about you behind your back. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. Me too. Absolutely, absolutely. And then the most important or the healthiest way to communicate is assertive communication. Assertive communication is the most effective way to communicate because people who are assertive are able to communicate their needs, concerns, feelings in a non-hostile or aggressive way while maintaining consideration of their counterparts' feelings, needs, and concerns also. So it's me being able to express to you how I feel about something in an optimistic or positive way, pausing and allowing you to respond, and then listening to you voice your concerns and expand needs and, and wants also. Uh, so those are the those those are the four subtypes of communication, and then the types of communication, right? So we're going to get into we're going to get into that a little bit. The the obviously the most common or the most recognized form of communication is verbal communication, and that's what we're doing right now, being engaged in speaking and just using our words, right? Then there's nonverbal communication like you just showed me with your body language, right? Like you can say a lot. In fact, when I was researching this, it says uh, that nonverbal communication makes up half of communication between people. Yeah. So rolling your eyes says a great deal without saying a word, right? Me mugging somebody. Yeah, or, or right, staring somebody down, crossing your arms and closing off your body language uh, on giving you an intimidating presence just sitting here yeah. uh, crossing my legs crossing my arms shows that I'm not open to solution I'm not open to receiving anything that you have to say I'm physically barricading myself from whatever you're talking about right right and keep keep that shit over there I, I, I have no interest so nonverbal communication can often speak louder than words then there's written communication, right? Emails, memos, reports, a Facebook post. It's an, it's a way to deliver information in a clear and concise way. I think that some people really excel in written communication. Some people can send a quick note or an email or a text. Text, yeah, that's probably my favorite is texting. But on that part too, you have to be very careful on your text because you know something you say in a text, I might mean it one way, but you're going to take it another way. Is as far as like the communication verbally, you can sit here and tell what kind of tone I'm having with you. I'm really glad that you brought that up because we're going to get into that too when we break down the communication a little bit more. But one of the healthy keys to communication is maintaining a soft-spoken tone or a positive or optimistic tone. And you're right. Very specifically in text, it's easy for things to get misconstrued. And for things to get lost in translation, you could say something totally lighthearted in a joking manner that you could say to me in person, and we would both laugh about it and chuckle. Yeah. But depending on my mood or my state of mind, if I'm tired or groggy or having a rough day, I might read that, and in the moment, I might feel like you're t- taking a jab at me. Yes. Or being hostile or being shitty. Yes, and then all of a sudden, something that you said lightheartedly, like, oh, this will make him smile, now I'm pissed, and I'm firing back at you. And then things get all off the rails, right? We start having a, a battle yeah. 
yeah. via text message. Then it, you know all the stops are pulled because somebody's not right in front of you and you say things you don't mean. Yeah. And then it becomes a you hurt my feelings, so I'm going to hurt your feelings kind of situation. Things get way off track, way off the rails. So that's written communication. Another form of communication is listening. This is uh, by far the most important if you want someone to feel like you're engaged in communication. So like you're doing right now, intently listening, it, I have in the notes that it never makes it on the list of communication factors or, or important factors in communication is listening. But active listening is the most important part because it's the only way to effectively engage and negotiate information and communication with another person. So the only way that I'm ever going to show you that I care what you think is by shutting the hell up and giving you a chance to talk. Yes, sir. If I'm, if I'm overbearing and talking over you, you're going to close down because you're going to feel like you can't get a word in edgewise, probably like I just did. No, it's, my problem with that is is that um, a lot of times I have a short-term memory, it seems like, you know, so a lot of times I'll, like you'll be talking and I have to hurry up and say something, you know what I mean? So I'm not trying to be rude about it at times, but, you know, I have to hurry up and say it or I forget, you know what I mean? Definitely. But definitely. It's, that's why I always apologize too, you know, that's how you talk to somebody, the communication, you know, it's like, hey, I'm sorry, I got to get this out real quick or I'll forget, versus just, hey, shut up, let me talk, you know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's another thing that we're going to get into, too, is being respectful, right? Being respectful of other people's time, being respectful of other people's feelings. The last type of communication is visual communication, and this is something that none of us consider, but we are communicating constantly with the world around us by what we're taking in, mm -hmm. right? Like, TVs are on 24-7. Phones are in our faces 24-7. Computers are in our faces constantly. We're constantly receiving information from the TV, from the internet, from Facebook posts, memes on Facebook. I mean, I can't tell you how many memes I look at. I probably look at 100 memes a day. Yeah. Now, that type of information, if we don't filter it, can affect us emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Because if we're feeding ourselves negative input and negative information we're generally going to be more negative yes, sir. if we're feeding ourselves positivity and spiritual enlightenment and uh, self-help and self-progression and self-enlightening memes then that's what we're going to be thinking about and that's what we're going to be processing on the constant so visual information and visual communication is super important because we all are constantly digesting information mm -hmm. that we're taking in visually whether it's Facebook, Instagram, YouTube videos, just images on our phones, text messages between people. We are constantly receiving and processing information. We don't even think about it. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like literally from the moment I wake up in the morning and my feet hit the floor, I get a cup of coffee, I go to the bathroom, I take a crap, I'm on, the, on my phone looking at memes. I'm replying to text messages. I'm already communicating with people. My brain's not even firing on all four <laughs> cylinders yet. And yes, I said four. My brain is not even firing on all four cylinders yet, yet I'm already communicating. I'm sending text messages, good morning. How many people do you say good morning to on the daily? I've got a list of probably about 30. Right. You know what I mean? That's, right. That's one of my main um, communication things in the morning that you have taught me. You know, just it's accountability to get up every morning and say good morning, sir, good morning, ma'am, just to let somebody know that you're thinking of them. You know, it's... And the flip side of that is, is if they don't get a good morning text, 
they need to check on you. Yeah, and they do. That's like when I got a new phone recently, I wasn't able to text a few people, and I was like, "What's happening to Bobby? Where's he at?" Is right, that all right, right. And that's not even our intention. Yeah, our intention is to be available and to be accountable to other people. But what ends up happening is they become reliant on that, mm-hmm. and then they stay connected to us. And that's part of that fostering those healthy relationships, right? Is is communication is just as important as everything else. Time, effort, energy, communicating with one another and staying connected. I mean, I'm, I'm texting you, good morning, sir, good morning, sunshine, good morning, my dude, every single day. Yes, sir. In, in response to your text, generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it keeps me accountable. It keeps me participating in our friendship. Yeah, and it helps build trust, too, but we, you know, we had spoken about that earlier. And definitely, it's, definitely. It's, and, and that's a huge part of communication, right? So those are the, the five types of communication, verbal, nonverbal, written, listening, and visual. 